going to look today at making space for God's Word, the Bible, to speak to us. So uh, if, you're, if you do have your Bibles, we're going to be looking at Proverbs chapter 3 in particular, 3 and 4 and 6, are the, where we'll spend most of our time. If you picked up a Bible on your way in, it's on page 340 in that Bible. Uh, in my Bible, it's like 630 or something. I don't know where it'll be in yours. You'll have to look in the index in the beginning if you don't know where Proverbs is, but I encourage you to find Proverbs chapter 3. And what we find when we look at the book of Proverbs is that there are two ways to walk. There are, there are, there are two pathways to walk on. There are two, two ways in which you live, and one of them is the way that leads to life, and the other is a way that leads to destruction. And the Proverbs lay it out this way in, in Proverbs 14, verse 12. It says this, There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. And then Proverbs 10, 17 says, Whoever heeds instruction is on the path to life, but he who rejects reproof leads others astray. And the difference between the two paths, the path that leads to life, the path that leads to destruction, is what one looks to for guidance, what one looks to for instruction. Uh, the, the, the path that leads to death and destruction is a self-directed life. It's a life of isolation. It's a life that doesn't look to what God has to say. It only looks to self and not outside of self, to something else. But the way that leads to life is the one who hears the instruction of God and is willing to apply it in life and in community. Now, the question we're going to ask today is what instruction should a wise person look at? So let's look at chapter 3 of Proverbs. I'm going to look at mainly six verses there. We'll start with the first two. My son, do not forget my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace, they will add to you. Now, you remember Solomon is, is the one who's primarily speaking in most of the Proverbs. There's a few others, and where it is others, it actually says it. But in this case, it's Solomon speaking to his son, and in other places speaking to his sons, plural. And the question we should ask is, what was Solomon teaching his sons? He says, Do not forget my teaching. Let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Well, what is his teaching? Look over at chapter 4 of Proverbs. We'll look at the first four verses. Hear, O sons, a father's instruction, and be attentive that you may gain insight. For I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. When I was a son with my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me and said to me, let your heart hold fast my words, keep my commandments, and live. So Solomon was taught by his father. Do you remember who his dad is? David, yep. So David teaches Solomon, and what was it that he taught? Now, in order to understand that, we've got to actually go to some other places in the Bible. In particular, we're going to go, first of all, the first Chronicles chapter 28, verse 9, to hear what David says to his son, Solomon. In verse 9, he says this, You, Solomon, my son, know the God of your, fa know the God of your father, and serve him with a whole heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands every plan and thought. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, 
he will cast you off forever. Forever. So David's message to his son, Solomon, is know God and serve God. Uh, and then he says, do it with a whole heart, which is a heart fully devoted to God. And he also says, with a willing mind, which is a mind, and it's not just the intellect, but the center of the being, willing to submit to the truths that David passed on to his son about who God is, what he's done for them, and who they are in light of what God's done. And so what he's doing is he's, he's passing it on to his son to live in a particular way that now Solomon is passing on to his sons, and by virtue of the fact that God inspired him to do it and wrote it down in Scripture for us, we now can have it passed on to us. But in order to understand what it was that David passed on to Solomon, we have to go back even further. So go back a little bit further to the beginning in your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 4. You might remember the context of this particular passage. God had rescued his people from slavery in Egypt. He brought them through the Red Sea on dry ground. He sustained them through the desert by providing food that appeared on the ground every day, took care of them in such a way that their sandals did not wear out, that they made it through the desert and eventually to the promised land. But uh, the, the point at which I'm going to read is the, the moment which God delivers them from slavery, directs Moses to meet with them at the top of Mount Sinai to get his commands for his people. And this is what he says. And there's going to be quite a bit of scripture, so it's appropriate that as we're going to talk about the Bible and its space in our lives that we have a lot of space in the service and are gathering to hear a lot of scripture. So uh, if you want to read with me, you can. You can see it on the, the screens as well. Deuteronomy 4. And now, O Israel, listen to the statutes and the rules that I am teaching you and do them that you may live. Okay, that's going to be a theme we're going to see a lot. Not only do we know God's word, but we live in obedience to God's word, which will lead to an abundant kind of life. Go in and take possession of the land that the Lord, the God of your fathers, is giving you. You shall not add a word, add to the word that I command you, nor take from it that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you. Some of you might remember that when we started uh, Doxa Church last January, we went through a series where we talked about the authority of God's word and the fact that we're not to try and add to it, we're not to, to put our own words next to it and somehow uh, devalue God's word next to our word. In fact, you might remember I said, we don't, we don't do this with the word of God, we don't stand over it in judgment of it and then basically become the one who says what is right or what is wrong, but we, we, we stand under it and let it have authority over our lives, letting it speak to us about who God is and what he's done, letting it have authority of our thoughts and our behaviors, letting it be the authority in our life. And so that's part of what he's talking about. Do not somehow devalue God's word by thinking your words are equal to God's words. Your eyes have seen what the Lord did at Baal Peor. For the Lord your God destroyed from among you all the men who followed the Baal of Peor. But you who held fast to the Lord your God are all alive today. See, I have taught you statutes and rules as the Lord my God commanded me, that you should do them in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. Keep them and do them. Keep them and do them. It's gonna, we're going to hear that later as well. Keep them and do them. For that will be your wisdom 
and your understanding in the sight of the peoples who, when they hear all these statutes, will say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. That's important. We talked about at the very beginning of the series that when we live in light of the wisdom that God has for us in the different areas of life that are important, will actually be a beautiful picture of real abundant life. And it will draw those who are being drawn to God to the beauty of God's wisdom and the beauty of God's unique understanding of how life should work because God is the giver of life, knows how to make life work best. And so we become an attractive people to those who are seeking wisdom and understanding. And that's the same thing God's people were meant to be. And then he says, for what great nation, again, these are the people watching God's people, this is what they're saying, what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us whenever we call upon him? Hear what he's saying? He's saying the people will look in and say, this is, this is so different than every, everybody else's religion, everybody else's so-called faith, because all the rest of the so-called gods are not drawing near to their people and dwelling amongst them, but rather are calling the people to have to work hard to get to them. The beauty of our God is that God draws near to people who are broken. He draws near to those who need healing. He draws near to those who don't have it all together. God does not call us to get our life together so that he will accept us, but rather he comes into the mess of our life and wants to bring healing and hope and help for what we're struggling with. That's the, the thing that makes God, the God of the, the Bible, the God of all creation, the true God, different than all the so-called gods of the world that are really about you being a self-made person who has to rescue yourself from your brokenness. Our God is not like that. Our God is near, and he draws near to the brokenhearted. And what great nation is there that has statutes and rules so righteous as all this law that I've set before you? What he's saying there is people are going to start to see you guys have life. You, you live a, li- a life that's right and good. Only take care and keep your soul diligently. A few weeks, by the way, we're going to talk about how do, we, how do we make space for our heart. Pay attention to what's going on in our heart. Actually, one of the Proverbs is going to com- command us to, to, to guard our hearts, to keep watch on our hearts. Lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen, unless they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Make them known to your children and to your children's children. This is why David is talking to Solomon, why Solomon is talking to his sons, and why now we are hearing it today. How on that day you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb, and the Lord said to me, Gather the people to me that I may let them hear my words, so that they may learn to fear me all the days that they, they, may teach their chil- that they live on the earth, and that they may teach their children so. Now that's a pretty significant passage of scripture, what I want to do is take that understanding of the background that plays into this particular proverb that we're looking at because we need to understand where it came from. It came from this moment where God speaks through Moses to his people about teaching God's people the ways and instructions that the Lord has for them so that they might live in remembrance of all that God has done. That's the first thing. We need to remember all that God has done, that they might live in light of what God wants us to do, and they might have a hope that God's promises are good, and we can have a view of the future that's hopeful. 
Now, what we're going to look at today is the way of wisdom in light of God's Word. And there's three things I want to encourage you to think about as we talk about God's Word, His instruction for us. One, I want us to learn to remember the Word. I want us to learn to respond to the Word. And last, I want us to learn how to rest in the Word. And throughout the teaching, I want you to keep this in mind, the Word of God is the way of life. To walk in light of the Word of God, to walk in submission to the Word of God, to be guided by the Word of God is the way of life. So first of all, remember the Word. It's interesting, God's people from generation to generation were instructed to retell the story of God's rescue, of God's redemption from slavery. They were to be a people who wouldn't forget what God has done. Now, I, I need this because I don't know how it works for you, but I get to points in my life where if I'm not careful, the thing that's in front of me becomes bigger than the God who I worship and know, that I let I let my problem or my struggle or my situation dwarf God. And what I need is a reminder that I worship and serve and know and am with and is with me, God is with me, the one who created all things, the one who delivers from evil, the one who, who, who sacrificed his own son for our good, the one who willingly went to a cross to overcome Satan's sin and death for me, the one who is the rescuer, the one who is the healer, the one who is, is not overwhelmed ever by our struggles or our difficulties, one who doesn't look at tomorrow with fear, but looks at tomorrow and is already ahead working on our behalf to prepare us for it and to be with us in it and to go ahead and prepare the way. That's the God that we worship and we need to have that story in our mind over and over and over again that we are not going forward with a God who doesn't know what he's doing and can't handle our problems. He's big and he's mighty and the story keeps telling us that if he can overcome Century after century after century, he can overcome tomorrow for us. So we've got to have the story. In fact, if I could encourage you, regularly, parents with your family, rehearse the story of God, of God's redemptive work, of God's consistent and faithful presence, of his willingness to lay down his life for you and me, that we might be lifted up above all the challenges and struggles we face. If you're, if, you're not, if you're not in a family, you think about your roommates. Rehearse the story with your roommates. Rehearse the story with your dorm mates. Rehearse the story with your co-workers that love and know Jesus. Be with one another in your missional communities. Keep reminding each other of the narrative of God's redemptive plan and his power to overcome. That's, this is the word of God that we need to hear over and over and over. And God commanded his people Remind each other. Don't let each other forget what I've done. Now, in order for us to be a people who walk in the way that gives life, the way of wisdom, the way that God's word leads, we've got to be a people who are committed to, to regularly read God's word. In order for us to remember what he instructs us, we have to regularly submit ourselves to it through reading. And I'll come back to that in a sec, but listen to what, what he says to his sons in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 3. Let's look back there again. If you have your Bibles, flip back. He says, Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Another way of saying it, if you turn over just to, to the next couple chapters in chapter 6, 
He says, my son, if you put up, oops, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, chapter 6, verse 20. My son, keep your father's commandment. Forsake not your mother's teaching. Bind them on your heart always. Tie them around your neck. When you walk, they will lead you. When you lie down, they will watch over you. When you awake, they will talk with you. I love that about God's word. That Actually, Hebrews 4 reminds us that God's word is living and active. It's able to actually pierce the very heart of a man or a woman. God is able to speak through it, we're told in, in 2 Timothy uh, 3, 16, 17, that it's, it's God-breathed. It's, it's inspired by God. It's, it, when we open it, I don't know if you ever do this, but at, a lot of times when I open God's word, I'm just like, oh, just speak to me. God of the universe, speak through the word you inspired to be written down. I want you to speak to my heart, I, and I, 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 want, I want you to talk to me through your word. And he does. He says, for the commandment is a lamp, and the teaching is a light. And the reproofs of discipline are the way of life. This, this sounds very similar to what Moses said to God's people a couple chapters later in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 4 is what I read earlier, but I want you to go to Deuteronomy 6 if you'd like to follow with me or just listen as I read. Deuteronomy 6, verse 6. These words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. I love that. In other words, he's saying, like, surround yourself with the reminder of God's word. Put it everywhere you go. Don't let yourself forget it. Wrap it around your heart. Tie it onto your hands. Put it in front of your eyes. Put it on the doorpost of your home. When you sit, talk about it. When you rise, talk about it. When you walk along the way, talk about it. When you lay down, talk about it. Talk about the Word. Remember the Word because it's the Word of God that reminds you of the work of God. And when you know the work of God, you have confidence that God will help you in your time of need. And He will lead you in how to live if you will submit to Him. But you need to know His Word. So let me ask, are you reading it? Are you in it? Now, some of you are going to go like, today sounds, feels very remedial, Jeff. It feels very basic. Yeah, I'll read God's word. But let me just do to you like Vince Lombardi did. Some of you know who Vince Lombardi is. Some of you don't. Famous football coach. At the beginning of every season, he would sit down with his players, hold up a football, and say, this is a football. As if they needed to be reminded of it. And then he'd say, and this is what we do. We hold on to this thing. We run with it. We throw it. We try to get it into the end zone. Like, it's like, here's the basics. And there, you might go, Jeff, it sounds basic. Read your Bible. And I'm just going to say, it's so basic and so fundamentally life-giving that if you don't do it, you won't be able to do anything else. You need God's Word to live the life God has for you to live. You need the Word of God. So I strongly encourage you to keep it in front of you. And even if, even if it's just a little bit every day, just read a little bit more. Some of you prefer the morning. You love to get up early. Can I encourage you to start your day in the word of God. God, lead us, guide us, show me yourself again. Teach me, speak to me. So when I walk along the way, it'll be in front of me all day. Some of you go, I don't like getting up early. Okay, do it before you go to bed. <laughs> do it when, maybe do it at your lunchtime. I don't know. Find a time to be in the word. 
And I would just encourage you, if you are walking with God for a while, you should know it, you should read it, you should have read it. My wife, I know Janie, at one point when she would read a chapter, she just put a check by it so that at some point she could know that she read the whole thing. I encourage you, if you don't have a reading plan, you know, you can, you can get the app version. Uh, it has like literally hundreds of reading plans. If you're going, I don't know where to start, just make, make a step of getting somebody to help you. And if you need an app to do it, please do that. Just get it in front of you and start reading it. In fact, you might go, well, I'm not great at reading. Well, then have it read to you. Have audio versions these days. Like, and there's so many ways to get the Word of God in you. Just get yourself the Word of God coming at you on a regular basis. And if, 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 you're, if, you're, if you've been following Jesus for quite some time, I want to encourage you to move from being fed to being a feeder. Okay, and what, what I mean by that is uh, I'm glad that you're, you're a part of this and you're hearing God's word taught on a weekly basis and we need to do this, but I, I just want to encourage you, don't let this be the only time you receive God's word. Start getting into it yourself. Start reading it yourself. Start learning from it yourself. Do it in community and in your missional communities and your small groups or your Bible studies that some of you are in already. Get into it together and learn how to actually read it and then give it away. I remember years ago when we first started the church in Tacoma that's called Soma that Janie and I and a few others got to start before we moved up here and we were part of that about 12 years. I remember an older gentleman that, that joined our, our, our core group and he had been in a church for many, many years. He was in his 60s. He had been serving for 40 years in a church, primarily as an usher, which is a great thing. I don't want to, we have people who do that here. But that's all he had ever done. And I remember he came to me in one of our discussions, and he said, he said, Pastor. And I always know when people call me Pastor um, that it's going to get real formal all of a sudden. So I'm like, all right, all right, here we go. Pastor. And he said, it's your job to feed me. And all that I could think of when he said that was this train trip that my wife and I took on the Amtrak one year from Seattle to Chicago, and this little boy that I think was six, my wife thinks is eight, but it's hard for me to believe that an eight-year-old would do this, <laughs> comes up to his mom and says, Mom, I'm hungry. And I'm thinking she's going to reach into a bag and pull out some snacks. But instead she just like, well, here we go. I know that might be a little offensive, but it offended me too, just so you know. Like, that's for babies. And I told Ray, I said, Ray, when you say that, it kind of that image comes to my mind, you know? It's like, you're not a baby. And unfortunately, he had bought into this idea that we need to perpetually have someone else spoon feed us the Word of God. And let me encourage you, this is good. Please receive what God has for you in the teaching. It's great to gather and hear God's Word taught. But if you've been walking with God for a while and you've been getting into His Word, let me just remind you, you have the Spirit of God who is the ultimate teacher who can teach you the Word of God when you open it up and can speak to your heart and He can actually teach you in such a way that you can digest it and give it away to others. In fact, I'll have a lot of people go, man, I love, I love the meat, man. Love that you're teaching meat. Just let's be clear. Meat is something you eat yourself, digest, and give away to somebody else in the form of milk. So if you're getting that, please digest it and give it away to someone else. If you're new in the faith or you haven't yet come to a faith in Jesus, I pray you will. But if you're new in the faith or young in the faith or not yet have faith, then it is partly my job. But it's the job of the church to, meet, to eat the meat of the word and to give it away in milk form to those who don't yet know Jesus. Church, can we grow up? I mean, I, I want you to, you, 
I want you, if you've been in the faith for a while, to, to know God's word, to read God's word, to feast on God's word, and then to give God's word to others. Not only know it, but teach it. Instruct others with it. Help them to come to believe what God is teaching you through his word. You might go, I don't know where to begin. Well, let me, don't do what I do, but use this as, I'm just going to share with you what I do as a way of just understanding some ways you can think about how to get into God's word. I try to read through the Bible once a year. I do a yearly read. Sometimes I dive deeper in one particular book of the Bible for a season. But what I do generally when I read the Word of God is I open up the Bible, I ask God by His Spirit to help me understand it because spiritual truth, which is what this is, is discerned by the Spirit. So I ask Him to teach me. And I... I have five mar- or colored pens. I know some of you are going to go like, okay, he just went OCD on us, and here we go. So uh, I have a black pen, and I write down everything that I'm learning in my journal from my study. And then I have a red pen, and that's where I write down anything I think God might be saying specifically to me that I need to heed and consider and oftentimes submit to those who are in my life if it's one of those things that's going to call for a major change or a decision that I want to not do in isolation, like we talked about, the fear of the Lord shows up in being in submission to people who love Jesus too. I submit that to others. Uh, then I have a blue pen that anytime that I get kind of a to-do from God's word, like, Jeff, in light of what you're learning, this is what God's calling you to do, I write that down, I put a little box next to it so that I can look back in my journal later and say, am I walking in obedience to what God is teaching me? Uh, and so I pay attention to what he's been teaching me and whether I'm doing what he's asking. And then I have green for all the things that I, I, I'm led to pray for. So I write those down as I'm in the word with the Lord. because what he, see It's our time. Of, I, I commune with God. I listen to God. And a lot of times God will, will, in my time in the word, say, you need to pray for your wife or pray for your children or pray for your neighbors or pray for this member in the church. Remember to pray for them. And, and so I get to have this time of communion of bringing the needs of people before God. And, and then over time I have a purple one that I, I underline all the prayer requests that have been answered that God has seen fit to, to, to answer in a certain way, and I write down how he's answered them. And then I, I go through that regularly in my day of solitude uh, to be able to look back, like we talked about last week, and just listen to what God has been saying to me over the years. Uh, we'll talk more about prayer next week, but I strongly encourage you to figure out something that gets you to read God's word, to pay attention to what he's saying, to chew it over like, a, like the, the cut of a, of, a, of, a, of a cow, like how they just chew it and swallow it and cough it back up and chew it and swallow it and cough it back up. And that's what the word meditate means when it says meditate on the word. Do that, just chew it up and say, God, teach me and speak to me. And Okay, I digest a little bit of that, like whoop. Well, there it is again. Let's look at that one more time. And, and here's the beauty. If you do that, you can actually walk through your day just like coughing up the cut all day long. You know, there's more to think about, you know? And I want to encourage you to meditate on God's word. Like, remember what he says and, and meditate on what he's saying. And then I would also strongly encourage you, begin to memorize God's word. Psalm 119, 11 says, I've stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Early in my new relationship with God, I started memorizing the scriptures. I used uh, the Navigator's uh, topical memory system. There's lots of different things you can use, but I encourage you to find some way that works for you. Uh, You can actually get those online. It's really easy little cards uh, that are just topical memory. Um, Some people memorize a whole 
chapter of the Bible. My wife tends to like to memorize, like go through a book and start memorizing it one verse at a time. Uh, I, I would take these three by five cards after I use the other system and just write a topic on it or, a, or a, 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 the, the reference on one side and the other side would be the verses. And I would just carry them around with me in my back pocket wherever I go. And I'm, I'm sure now there's apps that you can do that with, but we didn't have those back then. So uh, we didn't even have the, the phone you could walk around with, right? So it was attached to a wall, so you couldn't carry it with you. Uh, I, I know that makes me old, but there you go. Um, and and, I, would, and we would, I would walk around, and, and like if I was uh, on, a, on a train, I would pull them out, and I would, I would work on them. If I was, uh, you know, basically stopped somewhere and I had some space at, uh, on the way to class when I was a college student. I would just pull them out and work on them while I was walking from class to class and I just started to use them. And, and I, I know some people who are strong in the faith who've been doing this for years and they have a huge portion of God's word memorized. And they, they can just meditate on it wherever they go. Janie puts up Bible verses all over the house. You know, I remember in our house in Tacoma, like there was a mirror in our bathroom that I would always look at and do my hair, you know, and there it was. So, like there was a verse there that I could look at before I started the day. Loved it. My daughter Haley, Janie and I were mark, remarking last night as we were walking in her room. She wasn't in there. She doesn't know this, but we're just noticing on the wall, different scripture on the wall that she artistically had put up there. And I thought, oh, yes, God, I want my daughter and my son and my other daughter to know your word. I want them to remember it. I want it to be written on their, their heart. I want it to be in front of them wherever they go because if they will submit to it and believe it, they will actually walk in the way of life. I want them to know the word. I want them to remember the word. In fact, Solomon goes on in verse four and he says, so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Now, just to be clear, remember, Proverbs are general statements. It's not always a, it's not always a guarantee. You can, we're going to talk in a few weeks about raising up your children the way they should go so when they're old, they won't depart from it. But it doesn't necessarily mean they won't. It just means generally they won't. Same thing here. I don't want you to like take this like, so if I know God's word and I memorize God's word and I, 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 I love God's word, does that mean everything's going to go great for me? No, please don't hear that. In fact, what will happen is success will be redefined for you. But you will find a life of abundance walking with God, knowing God's word, meditating on God's word, walking in the ways that God's word leads. You will, you will. But it can't just be something you know. You've got to actually also respond to it. Remember God's word and respond to God's word. It's not just enough to know the Bible. We want to aim at knowing the God of the Bible. We want to aim at walking with God, not just knowing about God. So we want to respond to the word. Look at verse 5, Proverbs 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Notice the two paths right in that verse, those two verses. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. That's going to lead to a straight path, a path of life or which he strongly warns his sons not to do. Lean not on your own understanding. As we know, that's the way that leads to death. There's another way, by the way, trust in the Lord with all your heart. There's another way of saying fear the Lord. Remember we began this series talking about the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the fear of the Lord is not a, a, a dread of God, a running away from God, a hiding from God, but rather the fear of the Lord is an awe, a sense of, of, of affection, a sense of 
of, of awareness of all that God is and all that God does in such a way that he becomes the controlling center of your life. That's what it means to fear the Lord. It's to, to, to have who God is and what he's done be the most important and influential thing in your life that leads to the decisions you make. Every one of us in this room lives in the fear of something or someone, and you might say, well, how do I know? Ask what has most controlling influence over your decision-making. Ask what most has controlling influence over your emotions. Ask what has most controlling influence over what you believe about the world, what you think about the world, how you face your daily life. Whatever that is is what probably you are fearing in the moment. Your boss, roommate, spouse, children, someone you hope would think well of you, whatever it may be. But what the what Solomon is telling his sons is, if you want to walk the path of life, trust in the Lord with all your heart. In all your ways, acknowledge him. In other words, let him be God of everything in your life. Ask him what he wants to do, what he has to say about everything you do. And then do what he tells you to do. Proverbs 10, 17, I quoted at the very beginning. Let's look at it again. Whoever heeds instruction is on the path to life, but whoever rejects reproof leads others astray. There's two parts there. One, don't just know God's word, but heed it and obey it. But know, not only if you choose not to heed God's word and not to obey it, will you walk down a path of destruction, but you will lead others with you. Please don't believe for a minute that you are a self-made person on an island and your decisions don't affect anybody. They affect lots of people. Now the beauty is, if you will say, God, I want to know what your word says and I want to live it out, you actually will bring others into life with you. You'll actually help others walk the path of life with you. That's one of the reasons why I want to continue to encourage us to not do Bible study only in isolation, but to do it together in community. And not just... Study in community for personal application, like you might get together in your mission community and look at God's word and say, what does it say? And how would we live if we believed it? And what's God ta- telling us to do? But please don't, don't just go, what is he telling me to do? Ask, what is he telling us to do? The majority of the word of God is not written to an individual. It's written to a community. It's meant to be lived out in community. It's meant to be obeyed in community. It's not meant to just help you be an isolated, individualistic a person all by yourself living with you and God with nobody else around you. It's meant to call you into a community and help you obey God's word in a community that can both help you and you can help them. Because God wants the nations, as it were, the people that don't know him, to look in and see our love for one another and our way of wisdom that we help each other live as we help each other obey this word. Jesus himself said, it's by your love for one another, it's through your community with one another, John 13 and John 17, that the world will know. It's it's the way you live together. It's the way you obey the word together in the middle of a broken and depraved and dark world that enables you to shine like bright stars in the middle of the night and draw great attention to the glory of God at work in his people. Are you willing to say, God, I want to know your word. I want to remember your word. I want to keep your word in front of me continually, but I also want to obey it, and I want you to speak into all of my life. I want every part of my life to represent the fear of the Lord, the walking and the trust that I have that you know life better than anyone else. 
It's another reason why I'm convinced we need to do this in community because if you study the Word in isolation all by yourself, you'll keep coming back to the passages that you love and you'll keep applying them in the ways that you, you know, like to apply. But when you're in a group of people and they go, hey, can I talk to you about your parenting? Like, I've, I've watched, you know, you and your kids, like, they kind of destroy people's lives wherever they go. You know, and you know if you live in the fear of the Lord because in that moment you go, you may not talk about my kids. And I don't want to listen to anybody talk to me about my parenting, right? And at that point, you're just going, I'm protecting my little God. Instead of going like, okay, I need to hear. I need to be in a community. I'm not going to, I want to heed instruction. I don't want to avoid reproof. I want to look at what God's word says. Can we learn together? Can we humble ourselves and admit we all need to learn in every way from one another as we open God's word? I, I need people to speak in my life. I remember years ago, brand new believer, Clay, came to me and he was just getting familiar with the word and he's like, you know, I know as I look at the Bible, it seems like, Jeff, you're supposed to love God, but also love your neighbor, and that includes your wife and your kids, and I've been noticing you've been traveling a lot, and you've been gone a lot, and it just makes me wonder, how are your kids doing? How's your wife? And I needed that little rebuke. I needed that little correction, and he, he encouraged me to, to rethink my travel, to rethink my life for the sake of others, and, and it, I need to be in that kind of community where people have permission to talk to me about the stuff that might be broken but I'm afraid to look at because I maybe I, I'm not living in the fear of the Lord in that area and let me just encourage you because I want to ask you if you're willing to say Lord I want you to speak into everything I want your word to be a lamp light up my life show me what I need to hear show me what is broken, show me what needs to be repaired. Let me just encourage you. If you're willing to do that, some of you might be going, I'd like to, but the problem is that's gonna put me in a very vulnerable situation. And some of you might go like, it's not just that I want God's word over me, I wanna submit to it, but the problem is, is I realize I fail it so much and it feels like a heavy burden on my back. And the guilt and the shame and the condemnation I feel for not keeping God's word I can't live with it. It's too much. And that's why you have to get to the last part, and that is you've got to move from remembering his word to responding to his word to resting in his word. You go, well, how do I rest in his word? Well, you need to understand that the word is not a book. The word is a person. The ultimate word is Jesus Christ. He is the word made flesh. Listen to John 1, 1 through 15 through five. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made. In him was life, and the life was the light of man. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Yes, this is God's written word. I, I want to make sure I say that, that the Bible is the inspired word of God, that God led people along to write down his very words so that we could know the very heart and mind of God. That's, that's what this is for. And I, I, I want to make sure we understand how important it is to continue to learn it and read it and memorize it and submit to it. But let me, let me also make sure it's clear. All of this was meant to lead you to the living word, Jesus Christ. It is not meant to make you more dependent on yourself or more convinced that you can obey God by your own strength, but rather is meant to lead you to the end of yourself. 
It's meant to show you that you and I cannot uphold the law of God, that we cannot perfectly obey his word, that there is only one who can perfectly obey his word, and that is Jesus, the word made flesh. And Jesus came and he dwelt amongst humanity and he kept every single aspect of God's commands perfectly. He himself said, I did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. The beauty of who Jesus is, is he is the word made flesh, which means he is the one who perfectly is the word of God, meaning if you want to know what God is like, you look at Jesus. But also he is the one who perfectly fulfills the word of God, meaning if you want to be right with God, you have to look to Jesus because he alone has perfectly fulfilled every single word that is in God's law. He is absolutely perfect in all that he has done. And when we look to Jesus, not only do we see God, but we see God's perfect obedience given to us who fail. And when I read God's word, I I see in it, as it were, a mirror, and it shows me where Jeff is broken and what it does because I know the truth of Jesus Christ is it leads me to the one who isn't broken. It helps me realize that, yes, Jeff, you fail to love your family in a perfect way, but there's one who never failed to love the family of God in a perfect way, and that's Jesus Christ. And the word leads me to the end of Jeff and the beginning of Jesus. And then I go to Jesus and I say, thank you for living it out for me and dying in my place on the cross to forgive me for all the ways in which I fall short of the glory of God in my life. And then I have great hope because not only am I forgiven, but the Bible teaches that Jesus, when he shed his blood on the cross to cleanse us from all sin and all shame and all guilt, makes us to be a holy temple, a holy house, a dwelling place in which God comes and dwells in. And he comes and dwells in all those whose faith is in Jesus. So the spirit who inspired all this to be written now writes it on our very hearts, the prophets say. And just like the, prof- the proverb said, to, as Solomon said to his son, bind it on your heart, put it around your arms, put it as the frontlets of your, of your eyes. The, the spirit of God says, I'm gonna take the word of God, I'm gonna actually write it on your heart, Jeff. I'm gonna give you Jesus, and Jesus is gonna impress on you all that is true of God, and everywhere you go, the word of God, the living word of God by his spirit will be with you, with you. Here's what's amazing. Not only does the word lead me to Jesus, and then the word Jesus leads me to God, and the word Jesus forgives me of my sins, but the word Jesus cleanses me from all sins so I can have the word written on my heart by his spirit so I can actually go out and know the word and do the word. Because it's not just knowing it, but the spirit gives me the power to do it. Is this good news to you? It's very good news to me. Because I need it. I need it badly. Jesus said this, John 10, 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that they might have life and have it abundantly. And later in John 14, 6, he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Do you hear what he's saying? Anybody who has ears to hear, they're going, the way of wisdom that leads to life is Jesus Christ, the Word made flesh, dwelling amongst us, fulfilling every part of the law, dying for those who don't, rising again and sending His Spirit to help you not just have the way to God, but the truth of God and the life 
of God in you. There is no other way. There is no other truth. There is no other life that is truly the way, that is truly the truth, that is truly the life other than Jesus Christ. And if you want to know the word, it won't be enough just to read it, but you'll have to have it written on your very heart by the Spirit of God. Maybe today you're, you're one of those people saying, you know, like a friend of mine recently, every time I would talk, even teach on Sundays, for a while she would come to me and she goes, it's just not making sense, I just don't get it. And, and I'd look at her and I could see darkness in her eyes. And I kept praying, Lord, would you, would you take the scales off? Would you reveal the truth through Jesus Christ of your word? And the scriptures are really clear, you cannot understand this apart from the spirit that inspired this. Maybe that's some of you today. You're, you're in a place where you're like, it doesn't make sense. It just, I, I, I'm here because I feel drawn and I know there's something I should pay attention to and I, I want to know who God is and some of this, it feels like there's something right here but it doesn't seem to make sense. And I remember the day she came up to me after a gathering and I saw a light in her eyes. She goes, it's making sense. And I go, okay, let me ask you a few questions. Do you believe Jesus lived the perfect life of obedience to God the Father on your behalf? She said, yes. So do you believe that he died on the cross in your place to forgive you of all the ways you fall short of living for God's glory? She goes, yes, I believe. I said, do you believe that, 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 that he rose again on the third day and he's alive? She said, yes. I said, do you believe that he's changed your heart and now you know the love of God has been poured into your heart by his spirit? She said, yes. I said, when I spoke today, did it make sense? She said, yes. I said, that's because you've been saved. That's because God gave you new birth. He opened your eyes and your ears and changed your heart and his law, his word is being written on your heart right now. That's why it's making sense. And there may be some of you in the room who are going, it doesn't make any sense. And the thing I want you to hear is it will never make any sense until you come to God through Jesus Christ because he is the way, the truth, and the life and you cannot get to God the Father apart from him and you will not understand the truths of God apart from him. You must receive Jesus in order to understand the word of God and have it change your heart. That's the only way. So come to him if you haven't. You might go, I've been sitting in the church all my life and I thought I was a Christian, but none of it's ever made sense. Maybe today for the first time you realize you need to come to Jesus and say, change me, change my heart, change everything about me. Come in and make me a holy dwelling place of the, the living God and put your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Maybe for the rest of us we're saying, I forgot how great God's word is. I forgot to, to be in it. I, I forgot that God cared enough to put it down and I just treat it like it's no big deal. This book's there, you know, that most people have more than one of these and most of them are not opened. Can I encourage you to value and treasure the word of God once again, to read it, to memorize it, and to let it lead you to your desperate need for Jesus? Don't be afraid to open it. Be directed by the fear of the Lord that enables you to open it and know that it's going to lead you to the end of yourself and to the beginning of Jesus Christ. I know for me, that's a daily thing. Sometimes it's like I feel like I'm, I'm being born again, again. Once again, oh, yes. I'm so prone to wander. I need, again, the reminder of your word leading me to the word so I can walk in the way that is life. Let me pray for you. Father, as we 
consider and contemplate your word. I pray that you might give us a great affection for you through it, that we would not love your word and miss you, but we'd realize you gave it to us so we would love you. We would know you. We would serve you with all our hearts. Father, I pray if there's anyone in the room who has not made sense out of any of these things, that today you might open their eyes and their ears, that they might hear for the first time you drawing them to yourself through Jesus Christ. I pray that they might come to you through faith in Jesus, knowing that he's the true word of God, so they might know you, might walk with you, might walk in the way that is life. Lord, please, please deliver any today that are far from you. Bring them near. Make them your own. Father, for the rest of us who, if it's possible, we have belittled the, the authority of your word in our lives. We have not treasured it in our hearts. We have not sought to walk it out in the way we respond. I pray for your reminder of grace right now that in Christ we are forgiven. But also, Lord, would you remind us of grace that in Christ we can be empowered. That we don't have to stay as victims. We don't have to stay as helpless. We can walk with the power of the Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead to obey and love your word. So Lord, help us to treasure it and obey it and to hide it in our hearts. Thank you, Jesus. You are so precious to us. We love you and pray this in your name. Amen.